Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 77 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, we're digging into why the BMI is BS, the science and history behind the calculation of body mass index, and why it does more harm than good. So recently, I was scrolling through Instagram, and I came across this post about the BMI and how it's inherently racist. And to be honest, I was really surprised. You know, I've never really thought a ton about this calculation. I know I've never really liked it, but I didn't realize the underlying complications with it and the implications that this calculation, which we'll talk about in just a second, what makes it so problematic. And I wanted to do my own research and learn more about its history and if it really even makes sense in the context that we use it today across health insurance, healthcare, all different sorts of health-related industries. And I'll give you a hint, it absolutely doesn't. Now, it's important, too, to note that just because you read something on the internet or you heard something, even on a podcast, doesn't make it true. I think we all know that. Um, so I will be sure to link all of the articles and research that I pulled together to prepare for today. Now, science has disproved many common myths about size, about health, and about weight loss for years. And research, honestly, is just a few years behind what's actually happening. We're experiencing that right now with the pandemic. Researchers are hustling, but there are studies that need to be done and time, and all of this just takes time. Uh, but culture is even further behind embracing these updates, especially if things seem to be okay, right? If it seems to be working fine, then why should we change it? And we live in a culture that vilifies and fears fat bodies. I mean, you just pick up a magazine, Women's Health is loaded with, you know, fat busting this and that, television shows, it's everywhere. And we are in a culture that treats people who are in bigger bodies as morally lesser beings, that they must have done something to get themselves that way. And so it's their fault and they need to fix it. Now, there's a reason why influencers are pushing tummy tees, waist trainers, and all sorts of BS to help you lose weight and get fit. And the science and history behind the BMI, while you may think it may or not be related to you, it has a lot to do with not only fat phobia, but also this culture of thinness being the best, which, my friends, it is not. So the BMI is a mathematical equation that's based on height and weight. And already there's problems with that because it's a measure of physical appearance, not health. Your height and weight are not related 
to your health or lack thereof. So you take somebody's weight in kilograms and divide it by their height squared in the system that we have here, which I'm totally blanking on. But you know, when you look at uh, pounds um, and inches, there's an additional calculation to be done. Um, But you can just Google BMI calculator and figure out what your BMI is. And I will be sharing my BMI with you at the end of this episode. And we just take it as fact, right? I remember studying BMI and learning about BMI when I was in school, never questioning it a single time until I came across that post on Instagram. And that led me to think, oh my gosh, I really don't know a lot about this measurement that we are using to pass judgment on other people. So the BMI was created by Adolphe Quetelet in 1832. And when he created it, it wasn't called the BMI, but his original calculations were used to look at human growth and trying to really figure out the average of any population and you know what equated normal because of what was average. Now, he was a Belgian mathematician, an astronomer, a statistician, and in his studies of human growth, he concluded that other than spurts of growth after birth and during puberty, that weight increased proportionately to height. So this is where he came up with what's called the Quetelet Index, and that was used and known as that until about 1972. So taking the mathematical mean of a population as the ideal. So you take the average and that's where he came up with this formula. Now, here's the interesting thing is that his measurements were based on the French and Scottish participants. So he just took French and Scottish participants, measured height and weight, looked across all of what he found and said, okay, well, here's the pattern that I'm seeing. And so this is what my calculation is. And hence the Quetelet index was born. Now, don't forget, he was a statistician. So his index was designed for measuring populations, not individuals. And obesity as a disease is about 100 years old. For most of human history, fatness was a sign of great health and success. And yeah, technology has completely changed our access to food. Uh, Industrialization has altered our access to safe movement, right? I know that in my day-to-day, I have to intentionally make movement happen because I have the privilege of working behind a computer. And that's not the same for everybody. I know many of my clients, too, work in industries and work in positions where they have to physically use their bodies. You don't have to outsource your movement when you already move. So things are different now. I just want to acknowledge, yes, I'm not saying that it's exactly the same as it's always been. Things are different now. But again, just take all of this into consideration. But here's the interesting thing. Did you know that it wasn't until actuaries noted that increased death claims came from obese policyholders that they decided that there needed to be an index of normal relative body weight? Now, for starters, I was like, wait, what? What's an actuary? So don't worry. I looked it up. Uh, An actuary is a business professional who analyzes the financial consequences of risk. So these are the people that take mathematics, statistics, financial theory, and really make decisions about uncertain future events based upon what they see. 
So insurance companies needed tables of quote unquote normal weights so that they could better determine the risk and figure out what they should actually be charging people. So they started to put a bunch of stuff together and figure out, well, what's the average weight and what's considered overweight and what's considered underweight and what's normal and what's not normal. And there was a variety of measurements and classifications from small big to big build and a bunch of different things. But this is where that index came into play. Quetelet's index, it fit the bill. And the BMI, as we know it more in modern terms, was born. So the context of this calculation, it really, truly matters. And context always matters, but especially so with this. So the French and Scottish participants that Quetelet used, they were probably men. Also, they were totally European. So just taking a sample size of European men and deciding that all people from all around the world need to fit into that classification it doesn't really work that way, right? Can you imagine if we took some classification of kangaroos in the Australian outback and said that every marsupial around the world had to fit all of those same classifications? Now, for sure, there's some things that are the same, like marsupials have their youth in a pouch and I'm totally riffing. I don't know why I chose the most difficult mammal possible, but there are differences. You wouldn't compare a koala to a kangaroo and expect them to be exactly the same as far as body composition goes. So hopefully that holds true. All right. I know anyone who knows anything about marsupials is shaking their head at me right now. So feel free to correct me. <laughs> so in the early 20th century, when insurance companies started compiling more and more data that supported this BMI calculation, again, context matters because it was only a representation of people who had the financial resources and the ability to purchase insurance. Also, height and weight was largely self-reported. So, I mean, if you don't have a scale in your house, like I don't own a scale, I'm guessing what my weight is compared to the last time I weighed it. Oh, I don't know, like six months, actually even longer than that. So people are terrible at self-reporting their weight. Uh, my mom has this hilarious story. Don't tell her I told you, although I know she's listening, um, about going to get a license, right? Your identification and being asked, well, what do you want to weigh? right? Versus what you actually weigh. So that's just to say that self-reporting weight is a problem. So insurance companies also didn't even agree on what was an insurable weight. There was a lot of variability across insurance companies. So nobody was deciding and nobody was agreeing upon what actually was a problem and what wasn't. But still, even with all that variability, with all of that chances of one person being approved for insurance by one company and charged a certain rate and not approved or charged a greater rate or lesser rate, it wasn't a perfectly working system to begin with. And still, physicians started using those same rating tables to start to evaluate their patients' weight and health. And it was in 1972 when a researcher named Ansel Keys, he coined the term BMI, body mass index. And in his study, he looked at 7,500 men, yeah, men from different countries, five different countries, in fact. And these subjects came from predominantly white countries. So the United States, Finland, and Italy, and then also looking at Japan and South Africa. And even in the study, the authors noted that their findings applied to pretty much everybody except the indigenous and black men in South Africa. So 
even though they're saying, okay, but look at here's this average and yes, it works, but it doesn't apply to indigenous and black men in South Africa, but it's okay, right? It works if your subjects are mostly white. So time and time again, the BMI disproportionately classifies people of color as obese, even if they aren't necessarily so. And there was another study that compared BMI and DEXA scans, looking at bone density and body mass in that way, to see if you had a, you know, quote unquote, obese BMI, would the DEXA scan support that? And even in this study, compared to Caucasians, African-Americans of the same age, the same gender, the same waist circumference, weight and height, might have lower total and abdominal fat mass. So it's not correlated. All right. Your height and weight are not always correlated to the amount of fat on your body. The science doesn't prove it. And yet still, we use this as a measurement of somebody's health. And if you can hear me just like pounding my palms together, I am. This stuff fires me up. You guys, I can't even begin to tell you how many articles I read article after article after article with all of this information. It's available on the Internet for free. And yet we still don't see the problems, which is why I wanted to make today's episode. My hope is that it inspires your curiosity to go do your own research, to start asking better questions about this rather than just taking it at face value. So science, like I said, has disproved so many common myths about size, about health, about weight loss for years. And even with all of that, it's easier to marginalize and vilify fat people. Instead of recognizing that the evolving, increasingly complex science around fatness exists, it's easier to say, hey, it's your fault. You should lay off the Twinkies. Then OMG, maybe there's some underlying health condition. Maybe you're absolutely, totally fine. And I say this too, coming from a place where I have also realized my own fat phobia that has come up. And I have been as mindful as possible and making sure to just like unpack what's going on in my own head. So I just posted on Instagram over the weekend about this pair of pants. And you probably have a pair of pants that doesn't fit anymore, right? And even though, again, I know what I'm sharing with you today is true. I've done the research. I've been spending years and years and years learning to accept bodies of all shapes and sizes, including my own exactly as they are and understanding that your weight does not equal your health. Even with all of that, I still for two days obsessed over the fact that these pants no longer fit. doesn't matter about the pants, right? It doesn't matter because I can squat more than ever. I'm closer to doing a pull-up than I ever did before. Your body mass, especially the BMI, and the shape of your body does not have anything to do with your health. Now, this fat phobia comes up even in medicine. Physicians sometimes overlook a patient's actual medical conditions, and this goes both ways. This goes with males with anorexia nervosa going undiagnosed because they're technically within that normal BMI category. Plus, people at higher weights often don't get screened for eating disorders, even if they have significant weight loss or symptoms of malnutrition or disordered eating behaviors. This includes being written off by medical professionals that all your problems would just go away if you just lose weight and then just completely dismissing underlying health conditions. 
body diversity is a thing. It's a thing. The way your body is shaped, the composition of your body is different from my body is different from probably people in your family's body. The BMI was created using white men and leaving out women and leaving out black, indigenous and people of color. It doesn't take into account poverty, minority stress, trauma, food scarcity, financial insecurity, and the millions of other reasons somebody might have a different body compensation. And if you've made it this far and you're still not sure that the BMI is a great indicator of health or useful information, my BMI is 26.4. It puts me square into the overweight category. And I'm not. I'm not overweight. Because not only is the BMI based on racist science, it doesn't take into consideration your body composition. It doesn't take into consideration that muscle mass is heavier than adipose cells or fat cells. It doesn't take into consideration that your adipose is also fascia. So before you go vilifying fat, like it is fascia. Oh, you guys, blood is boiling here. There is no single factor that can predict health outcomes. So can we just all agree to catch ourselves the next time that you think fat equates health? And I'm not saying this from, oh, I've achieved perfection. It never happens to me. Just be aware of when diet culture, when fat phobia, when these thoughts come up, whether they're towards yourself or towards other people, and just check yourself. Now, dieting and caloric restriction is way too much. This would be like a 12-hour episode if we dived into that right now, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, stay away from things promoting fat loss. And don't get caught in the game of trading exercise for food. So if you enjoyed today's episode, if you learned something from today's episode, I want to hear from you. So find me on social. I'm at Halafamala on Instagram or send me any questions you have about today's episode. Again, either on Instagram or you can call the Body Nerd Hotline at 818-396-6501. And if you, again, learn something, if this was an important episode for you, please do me a favor and share that means the world to me that more people can learn from this, but also more importantly is to inspire your own curiosity to go do the research, to go ask better questions for yourself. Now, don't forget that show notes, fun links, the downloads, the body nerds group, everything lives over at aewellness.com slash podcast, including the description and show notes for today's episode with all the articles that I used as research for your own reference. And again, if you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you share it with somebody who needs to hear it. And even better, if you're able to head on over to your podcast platform of choice and leave a review. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, not accepting BMI or other BS science as a measurement of our goodness and getting nerdy. Thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. 
Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.